Heavenly Father, we want to thank you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this book of Romans that uh, that teaches us so um, so clearly and yet so deeply the uh, the basics and the and the fundamentals of of faith and of our relationship with you. Father, I pray that. Um, that you would illumine our minds and enlighten our our hearts and our understanding that uh, that we might walk and live and breathe these truths day by day until the day of Christ and Father we pray with all confidence knowing that the good work that you've begun in us you will continue to perform until that day and we thank you and praise you Lord in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ Amen all right, Romans chapter eight. We um, got oh down in around verse uh, thirteen, fourteen or so last time. Let's begin reading with um, with verse twelve. Paul says, "Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit." Do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now we've been talking about um, the the in this chapter, Romans chapter eight, the issue of spirit versus flesh, and we've said that when you talk about walking in the flesh, you're talking about um, either one of or both of two different things. Uh, last week we looked at that list in, in Galatians of the deeds of the flesh and, and uh, uh, anger and malice and murder and drunkenness and revelings and such like and all of those. And those are the kinds of things we usually think about when we think about walking after the flesh, the uh, kind of overt sinful acts that people commit. But in this context of Romans 6, 7, and 8, uh, walking after the flesh also has to do with trying to, um, trying to, to live our lives in, and conduct our obedience according to the law. And those, those two themes are, are are intermixed and interplayed here throughout these chapters in, in Romans, and it's almost as if it, it, it's difficult to tell what he's talking about at, at any one given time when he talks about walking after the flesh. And, and that may seem strange to us, that uh, walking according to the law would be so closely identified with walking in sin. But we've already seen uh, that that Paul uh, likens um, going back under the law in Galatians again, and we're going to be spending a lot of our time there tonight in Galatians. He likens it to idolatry. Uh, he, he tells the Galatians, when you didn't know God, and you went after those who were no gods, you were idol worshippers, um, you you you've come to know him now. Why do you want to go back to those weak and beggarly elements? And he's talking about going back to the law, going back under the law. And he likens going back under the law to their old life of idolatry. And so as we come through this chapter here in Romans chapter eight, um, when when he says flesh, living after the flesh, walking after the flesh, minding the flesh, in almost every instance, 
you could apply it either way. Either to those overt sinful behaviors or to, uh, to trying to please God by the, by the, uh, by walking under the law, under the old program. So he says here, if you, again in verse 13, uh, well, back it up again, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, because of everything he said before, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. Now that, again, applies to our old sinful lifestyle. Peter said, let the time past of your life suffice to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. You had, um, you had your time to, uh, to go out and, uh, and to fulfill the lusts of the flesh before you got saved you're a new creature now so don't uh, don't be hanging around in that old stuff we are not debtors to the flesh we don't owe that to, to our flesh also we are not debtors to the flesh in that we are not debtors to the law just like that woman at the beginning of chapter 7 who was married to a husband and that husband died she is now free from that law. And she doesn't owe him um, a, 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 the remainder of her life in, in, in chastity. She is now free to go and marry another. You remember back in chapter 7. So she doesn't, that, that uh, debt of service, of bondage, is broken. So it's the same, the same holds true, whether it was our old bondage to sin or our old bondage to the law. They've both been broken and we are not debtors to the flesh anymore. And, and he says, he gives the reason, verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now here again, if you go out and live a, a, uh, uh, in sin, and uh, uh, without conscience toward God and just go out and, and live for yourself? When Paul says that, that uh, we thus judge, that if, if Christ died for us, then we which live should not live unto ourselves, but unto Him. That's where our, our indebtedness is, uh, where our loyalty is, not to ourselves, not to our flesh, but to Him. So if we do that uh, and go out and just live after the flesh, Paul says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. So the, living a sinful lifestyle, Paul says, you'll die. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. And the death that he's talking about here is not physical death, although sin will bring that to you. And it's not eternal death. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to you and me here. He's not talking about burning forever in hell. He's not talking about spiritual death. What he's talking about is the separation of your walk from God. Separating yourself from, from God's power to be able to live this Christian life. Watch how Paul phrases this. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now the idea there is that somebody is through their flesh trying to mortify the deeds of the body. 
You say, well, how does that work? I thought the deeds of the body and the flesh were the same thing. Well, this is where we come back to the flesh being uh, following the law. Trying Trying to change your behavior according to the law, according to the uh, uh, law principles, by, uh, um, by fear and by guilt and by external uh, means. And Paul says in that, in, in that context too, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So we can't uh, mortify means to kill. He says, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the Spirit, kill the deeds of the flesh, then you will live. So if we're going to... Listen, what do, you, what, do you, what do you have in your life today? Whether it's a sin, some besetting uh, sin that, that, that you have trouble shaking, whether it's, it's uh, not a sin, but something you'd like to, uh, you, you, you think you could be doing better, or you think you should be doing better. Um, uh, uh, a habit you want to quit, a life uh, uh, style that you'd like to change. What, what is it uh, about yourself that you think would better serve the Lord if it was done differently? You can, you can change those things in your life. If you don't try to do it after the flesh, if you do it after the flesh, you will die. It, you will not be uh, uh, successful on a on any uh, uh, on any long term basis, on any real basis. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, what is Paul? What, how do we do that? Now, how do, how do we do it in the spirit instead of in the flesh? We'll read on here. For it, for as many, verse fourteen, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, now he's talking about the law again. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So now what Paul is doing here is he's, going to, he's bringing us directly out of that, that passage about walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. He's going to bring us now into, uh, into a realization of our personal relationship with God. When he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, now, what he's talking about there, you remember back in, uh, in chapter 7, verse 6, he said, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Here in chapter 8, verse 14, he says, The sons of God are led by the Spirit. That's as opposed to staying in the old, in that old way of thinking and in that old program being led uh, by the law, following the flesh. He says, they, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is an issue of, uh, of following God in spirit and not out of some sense of religious obligation, not out of some sense of guilt, but out of an understanding of our relationship with God as our 
what he says here, Abba, Father. Now we'll, we'll talk about that term in a minute. But I want you to get this, uh, this issue here. Come, come over to Galatians. And let's, um, let's go over some, a few passages there. Because Romans and Galatians are, are, have, have several parallel passages and are very much parallel themes, um, throughout these books. Back in uh, in um, Galatians and chapter three, let's take a few verses there to start us off with. Galatians chapter three, Paul says, "O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you: Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith?" Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, I want you to see this because there in verse 3, he's talking about spirit and flesh. Same thing he's talking about in Romans chapter 8. But I want you to see how he defines those things. He says again, verse 2, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So which is it? Is it faith or is it law? Of course the answer is faith. So he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So Paul equates, you've got faith and law in verse 2, and you've got spirit and flesh in verse 3. And those things uh, answer to each other. When Paul says walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, it's the same as saying walk by faith and not under the law. Live your life by faith and not under that works system. Now what that means is is the same same Spirit that we came to Christ with. That it isn't what I do. What I do is not the issue. The issue is what Christ has done on my behalf. That's, the, that's how we came to Calvary. That's how we came to understand salvation. That it's not about my works, it's about His work and what He did. Well, that's the way we continue to walk. And listen, that's the way you're going to get victory in your life over the things that you're looking to change and over a bunch of things that you're not looking to change yet, and me either, that the Holy Spirit will will open our eyes to along this path that, that we walk. That's how it's going to happen. By, by setting our mind not on, our, uh, ex, on, on the externals of ourselves, but on Him, on what He has done. Now listen, there there are two kinds of people, and and Christian people are are, are no different in this in this regard. There are people who spend their life congratulating themselves, and there are people who spend their their life uh, just uh, uh, beating themselves, and 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 some people just love the uh, the success that they have have become and some people just loathe the failure that they are and let me tell you something both of those two people needs to get out of themselves 
Because it's not about the good that you do and it's not about the evil that's present with you. It's about Christ. It's about what Christ has done. That's where our mind needs to go. That's where our affections need to be. Paul says, set your affections not on things on the earth, and that includes you, but set your affections on things in the heavens where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. That's where our mind, our spiritual and mental energies need to be. That's where our focus needs to be. Do you want to, uh, uh, do you want to change something in your life? Are you going to do it by concentrating on that thing and by, by mustering up your willpower against that thing? And withstanding it, how long do you think you're going to be able to do that? You know how long you can do it because you've tried it a thousand times, haven't you? That's not how you do it. That's not how you get victory. That's not how you move, how you press toward the mark in this spiritual life. We don't do it by concentrating on our failures and we don't do it by concentrating on our successes. We do it by concentrating on Christ. Take your mind off of yourself, whether it's your failures or your successes. Take your mind off of yourself and put it on Christ. And when you find it slipping, turn it around and get it back. That's how we live. That's how we walk. That's how we gain victory. It's through Him. It's the same way you came to salvation to start with. For that moment in time, you stopped looking at yourself. And you looked to Him. And you rested. You placed yourself in His care. In His arms. You let His work be the power. That transforming power. Well, that's how it works every day. So when Paul talks about walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh, he's talking about walking by faith instead of walking by the law. That's Galatians chapter 3. Now he goes on there in this passage, and there's a lot more here, and we're not studying Galatians, so we don't have time to to take this all in. But skip down to um, this is uh, these passages we've read already. Um, look in verse. Uh, look in verse twelve. He says, "And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them." So, so you've got faith as opposed to the law here. Look over in um, verse twenty-three. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We are not indebted to that schoolmaster anymore. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now you see the parallel there between what we just saw in Romans 8. Those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Here he says, you are the children of God by faith. Again, the the comparison is made there. You say, how do I do this? How do I walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? It's walking by faith. But it's by faith as opposed to walking under the works of the law. 
living our lives by faith the same way we came to Christ. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now Paul goes on in Romans 8 to talk about us our being heirs. But we don't want to go there yet. Um, he tells us, I want to get this one verse again, in uh, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Romans 8, Paul says, They who are led uh, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 16. We've seen this passage already. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's Romans 8. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, to Romans 8.14, ye are not under the law. Romans 8, he says... All they that are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Here he says, if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now you get the idea that there's a correlation here between, between these things. Now, now what does Paul mean uh, there in, in Romans when he says you are the sons of God if you be led of the Spirit? We'll come back to Galatians chapter 4. This is how you do this. You want to understand one passage, you get another passage that explains it. Paul is talking about our sonship. He's talking about our position in Romans chapter 8 as we come into verses 14 and beyond. He's kind of introducing us uh, to, that, uh, to that intimate relationship with our Father. That connection, you know, he, he, Paul says there that he's given unto us not the spirit of fear, of bondage again to fear, not the spirit of the law, but the spirit of adoption. You know, if I wanted to adopt a child, I could, uh, I could give that child a, uh, a, a writing of adoption. A judge could give me an order uh, clearing the adoption. We, there's a lot of things that you could, that you could give to show that, uh, that you have adopted someone, but you can't give the spirit of adoption the way God has given to us. When God talks about adoption, it's not the way you and I think about adoption. When, it, when, when he talks about adoption in the, in the context of you and me, he's talking about making us children. He, he put the spirit of adoption in us. We are created in Christ Jesus after the image of God. We are new creatures. We, have, we are uh, the born, created children of God being in Christ. Galatians chapter 4 here brings out this idea of, of adoption and the difference between being a, a child and being a son. Galatians chapter 4, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, 
Therefore hath nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now again, that's parallel to Romans 8 in those first few verses. That what the law could not do, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You remember those verses early on in chapter 8. Well, this is the parallel passage here. God sent forth His Son when the fullness of the time was come, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, to do for us what the law could not do. And the result that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Back to Romans 8. So, the, um, we're still here in Galatians, I'm sorry. The, uh, that, that's a, a, a reference back. Paul uses that term twice in these two passages we just looked at. Abba, Father. Now you notice in, in Romans chapter 8, he says God has given us the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Here, he says God hath sent forth the spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, the spirit of adoption is the spirit of Christ. He makes us, God makes us children. And not only children, but full-grown sons, even you ladies. That's the, the idea of son here in this context is a position. And it's not a little child who doesn't, who's no different than a servant. You know that term Abba, Father? The, the, the word Abba, it means father. It's, it's saying father, father in two different languages. And it's a, it's a, it's a term of, of endearment. Um, you, uh, Jesus said, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord. Um, uh, when, when Christ was on that cross, He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that, that, that idea there is, um, is just that. It's a, it's a term, it's, it's a child to a, to a parent. Abba, Father. People say that, that that word Abba is it was was used um, because it's the first it's the phonetically it's the first sounds that that a that a baby is able to uh, is able to enunciate. Looks at his daddy and he says Abba. So that that's the idea that that we're getting here. But at the same time, so there's that what they call that that filial relationship, parent to child. But at the same time, Paul stresses here in Galatians and in Romans that it's not about being babies. When we were children, we were kept under the law. But when the time came, appointed of the Father, there was an adoption. You say, how do you adopt your own child? 
Well, there's a there, the, the adoption here has to do with with setting uh, with, in the Jewish culture. It would be similar to a bar mitzvah, taking your child from a from a child to a to an adult, and changing their their position and their status in the in the family. He says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. Now, aren't we servants of God? Didn't, didn't Paul spend half of Romans chapter 6 telling us to, to, to uh, lend your members as servants to righteousness and servants to God? Well, sure we are. But he's talking about status here. He's talking about position. Under, under the law, they were servants waiting to become sons. Now, we, the Spirit has come. The Spirit of adoption has come. And that sonship position is given to us. You are no more servant, therefore thou art no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And then he goes on to say, how come you're going back into that idolatry again? So, so you get the idea there, when, back in Romans chapter 8 now. When he talks about they who are led of the Spirit are the sons of God, he's talking about as opposed to walking under that old program. Whether it's at the old program dispensationally or the old program of your life, either way it's walking after the flesh versus what we do today as understanding intelligent Christians walking after the Spirit. So back in in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 again, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now before we move on, let me say one more thing about that adoption. The, when that adoption comes to its full end, what it ultimately means, you know, when the Bible uses the term sons of God, and this is why I say there's a difference between sons and children, those terms. When the Bible talks about the sons of God, it's talking about the mighty ones. It's talking first about angels, first chronologically through your Bible. And and it talks about uh, us being the sons of God, but the context of being the sons of God, fully manifest sons of God, is in our glorified bodies, in our resurrected bodies. In heaven, that's when the sons of God will be manifest. We are now the uh, the sons of God, but it doesn't appear what we shall be. John tells his folks... Here too, this idea of adoption. Verse, look down, drop down, let's jump ahead of ourselves in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. You see, he defines the adoption as the redemption of our body, the resurrection. When we finally get uh, glorified, 
So when you talk about the sons of God here, what Paul is doing is he's bringing us into the heavenly places in connection with our walk. Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And in that context and in that connection, Paul is bringing us along and he's bringing us up and he's bringing us higher and higher. He's brought us uh, uh, by, by his doctrine that was committed to him by the Lord Jesus Christ out of death into newness of life. And now he's, he's, he's filling out that idea of that newness of life. What is newness of life out of death but resurrection? And this idea of adoption is a further development of that idea. And, the, and the, 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 the thought here is that we are to live and to walk and to think. Remember, this is about the mind. With the mind I serve the law of God. As if we were there already. And Paul's about to tell us in, in several verses we'll get to next week that in God's eyes, we are there already. So we need to look at this thing the way God does. Do you walk through life thinking, I am one of the mighty ones? Do you? Because you should. Not focusing on yourself, but on Him and what He's done for us. And when you, under, and when you get over the, the, uh, the giddiness of that, of that idea, and you, and you approach that with, uh, with good understanding and holiness you get a sense of the responsibility that comes with being the sons of God. With being one of the mighty ones. With being uh, glorified in God's presence. We have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We've gotten the spirit of adoption. You see that? The adoption is the redemption of our body. But we've got the spirit already. That spirit that that we're going to have out there. Therefore, we walk in the spirit and we'll do those things that are pleasing to the Father just like we will out there. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So now he's talking back about that Abba Father, that that relationship again. You know, you can look at somebody and you don't know. I mean, you can hear their their speech and you can get a pretty good idea. Somebody's saved or if they're not saved by what they say they believe. But you know, you don't know anybody for sure but yourself. And the way, the only way you know yourself, because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, the only way you know that you're saved is that the Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts to bear witness to us. And two people, uh, two persons know for sure that you are saved. And that's God, because God knows them that are His, and you. And, and, and that, what that does is that creates, uh, that creates a connection. That creates a spiritual bond. That, you know, nobody knows a child like their parent. 
and vice versa. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And that's where he's bringing us into that into that relationship that God has 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 brought us into to, to make us aware of it and to understand that it's by that awareness and by that faith that we walk and have victory in this life. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, I want you to see some things, and we're going we're gonna to leave it here. Um, we started a little bit early, and, and we're, we're going to end a little bit early. Because he's about to go into um, some very practical issues. Now, what Paul is about to do is he's taking us now, we've got this issue of being dead to sin. Okay, we've got that settled back in chapter 6. We've got dead to the law. Chapter 7, we, we, we understand how that works. Now, here we come through chapter 8, and we get this concept of walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh, and being separate and de-identified from that sin that is present with me, which is not I, and the new man who is me, and walking in that newness of life. So we've got that. Okay. So now that we have this issue, now, by the way, you have victory over sin now. Isn't that good news? You had it back in chapter 6. He told you sin's not going to have dominion over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. But he's brought us through these issues and explained them to us. So now you have victory over sin. So now, that's, that's easy to say, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that you know everything you need to know. Now he's not gonna he's not gonna focus so much on not walking after the flesh and, and getting the victory over sin and those kinds of things. We we've we've come to that point now where we understand all the things that we shouldn't do and we know how to not do them. So now it's just a matter of exercising what we know as far as the negatives, sin, uh, walking in the flesh, walking under the law, all of those kind of things. Now he's going to bring us into our service and into walking in the Spirit and into the positive side of the Christian life. And it's not enough just to abstain from evil, but it is equally and much more so to do good and to, and to be uh, to, to have to be moving forward in a positive way in doing good in serving God so it's not just I'm a Christian I don't do this I don't do that I don't do the other thing I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't hang with guys that do right that's how, how that goes okay that's all well and good that's fine but what about what are you doing well, he's going to bring us into that now. And the context under which he does that is suffering. Because all they that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Will suffer persecution and will suffer uh, 
some natural things that he's going to go on and he's going to talk about. But before we quit here, I want to I want to kind of close in a little bit on this bridge verse that that brings us in to that subject. He says, "If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together." Now, I want you to notice in verse 17, Romans 8:17, that there are two ifs. We, you and I, members of the body of Christ, Christians under grace, we're, we're very used to talking in terms of unconditional. But there are two ifs in this verse that you want to notice. Number one, if we are children, then we are heirs. So, if you're saved, you're a child of God, you are an heir of God. If you're a child, then you're an heir. So that's the first condition. Are you saved? But there's a second condition. And that is linked to being joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him. Why do we have to suffer with Him? That we may be also glorified together. Now the idea there is that there's a condition put on a part of our inheritance. We are heirs of God by virtue of being children of God. But we are joint heirs, glorified joint heirs with Christ on a different condition. The first one's got to be met. But there's a second if in that verse. And it's if we suffer. I, I hate to leave you for a week to, to, to go out of here and start crawling on crushed glass. Don't do that. We'll, we'll talk about what Paul's talking about next week. And please read ahead for yourself and see what he's talking about. But what I want to get you to see is that a, a lot of things... Uh, in eternity future out there that, that a lot of Christian folk kind of take for granted as being part and parcel with salvation aren't. And Paul says, I endure all these things that, that he went through, suffered. He says, I endure these things for the elect's sakes that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So it wasn't enough for Paul to see people saved. He wanted to see them get the eternal glory on top of their salvation. So there is a part of your inheritance that's there by virtue of your salvation. You're an heir of God because you're a child of God. And there is a part of your inheritance that's not that has to do with how you live your life here. And we will end it there.